extraterrestrial intelligence. Chapter 15 Sam thought he heard his name being called, but he wasn't quite sure. Sam, come on, last call for dinner, Marion shouted. Half awake, groggy, Sam lifted his head off the pillow and looked out his window. It was dark, well into night. He glanced at his clock, 6.45. Sam sat up and swung his leaden legs onto the floor. He yawned and stretched and stared at his equipment. No pilot lights were shining other than the blinking power lamps of his SETI equipment cluster. The computer was silent. The monitor display was rock steady. Nothing had been detected. There were no deviations from the straight line graph plots. As Sam started to stand, his telephone rang. He fell back onto his bed and reached awkwardly for the phone on his nightstand. Hello, he said. Sam listened. His eyes closed. Suddenly, they popped open, and he sat up in bed. Yeah? What? Hello? Oh, Lisa. Yeah, hi. Below, Marion opened the kitchen window and yelled for Sam again. This is it, Sam. No food unless you're down here in 30 seconds, she shouted. Sam turned his concentration away from Marion and back to the telephone conversation with a cute red-headed girl who always seemed to pay close attention to him. He had paid attention to her as well. My aunt's calling me for dinner now, but I guess I could, sure. Oh, 15? No, maybe 30 minutes, okay? He was now wide awake, refreshed, and excited. Okay, see you in a bit. Sam jumped out of bed and ran to the door. As he opened it, he could see Marion moving around the kitchen sink. And Marion, I won't be eating here tonight, he called out. Lisa lived ten minutes away from the Alexander house, but what a difference ten minutes made. Her home was at the far edge boundary of the Los Robles High School District in the wealthier section of town. Sam wasn't sure what Lisa's father did for a living, but he surmised that it was something that made a family like hers a good hunk of change. As he drove down the dark street, he struggled to see the house numbers. He liked Lisa. She was smart, cute, and friendly. Sam pulled up to her well-lighted house and shut off the engine of his Jeep. He looked in the mirror one more time and reached into the glove compartment and found a small bottle of spicy cologne, a dab or two, and he was ready. By the time Sam approached Lisa's door, she had opened it. Okay, I'm ready. Let's go, she said. Sam waited for Lisa to bound down two stairs from the front porch and join him in front of the house. They turned and walked away silently to the curb. 
Boy, this is some surprise, Sam said. He opened the passenger door. Lisa stepped inside and sat. She was wearing a pair of white jeans and a thin, loose-fitting aquamarine shirt. Her red hair bounced off the top of her collar. Sam thought that she looked fantastic. She had a small frame and blazing green eyes. And her smile, when it flashed, Sam could feel his legs grow weak. She smelled good, felt good, when she brushed against him on the way to the passenger seat. Let's go, Sam said cheerfully. He closed the door and walked around to the other side of his jeep. He took a deep breath and exhaled rapidly. Wow. Sam got in and started the jeep and fastened his seatbelt. He stared at Lisa for a moment. He had always liked what he had seen when he saw her at school. But now he was captivated. This is a surprise, Sam said again. Yeah, I thought maybe Pete's and a little help from you on my math homework would mix nicely, she replied. Absolutely. Sam continued to stare into those big green eyes. From what I've heard in class, I think you might know more calculus than I do. I don't know about that. Well, I do, Lisa said. Sam put the transmission into drive. Ready? She nodded. Sam drove a little bit more slowly and straighter in posture than normal. A few awkward silent moments went by. Why don't we have some tunes and turn on the radio, Sam said. Lisa looked down at the dashboard, then at the stack of radios to her left, all of them which were on, and the frequency displays glowed in various shades of brown, green, and yellow, and red. She had no idea which radio dial she should turn. Which one? The pizza had long been cleared from the table. Lisa stared out the window next to the booth, watching the traffic and the twinkling lights along the street in front of the pizza hut. She was either bored or just enjoying being with him. Sam was sure it was the latter. It was. He pretended to be drinking his Coke as he watched Lisa at the corner of his eye. A young waitress in a gingham shirt and jeans stepped to the table, pulled out her check order book. So, guys, any dessert tonight? No, thanks. Not for me. Sam replied in kind. No, I don't think for me either. Maybe another Coke. He looked at Lisa. She shook her head. Okay, the waitress left. As she did, their eyes locked. Lisa cocked her head and crinkled her brow. You know, of course, we didn't do much math tonight. Sam said, I wouldn't have done much math tonight anyway. I tell you what, we can carefully compute the bill when the waitress brings it over. Sam, tonight is the most I've ever heard you talk. I mean, in class, you don't say much. You're usually hanging around with your friends. Sam twirled his straw in his drink. I guess I do, but I've noticed you around school, in class, he chuckled. I guess I just haven't had the guts to say hello. Or call you on the phone, Sam replied quickly. But I'm glad sure you did. Several more seconds of silence passed. Sam thought... There was nothing wrong with that. Chattering away like a magpie just didn't seem appropriate at the moment. Silence was preferable. Just being with Lisa now and enjoying her presence was enough. Sam, Lisa said, that was a creative line you gave Timberman the other day. He turned serious. Lisa noticed 
Uh-oh, she thought. Mistake. It was no line, Lisa. It was the truth. Lisa leaned forward, her gaze riveted on Sam's face. He sensed her interest. Really? Tell me about it. She was truly interested in what he was doing. Unbelievable. Fantastic, Sam thought. Oh, come on, you wouldn't find that interesting. How the hell do you know that? Maybe I would. I mean, you find it interesting and important enough to miss school, right? Oh, so you noticed I wasn't in class today. Yes, I did, and so did Timmerman. Sam's face dropped a bit. I know, my aunt said the school called. Your aunt? I, why, I live with my aunt and my uncle. Lisa thought for an instant and decided not to explore the question. So tell me more. Sam looked away, then back at Lisa. He tried to think of a clever, clear way to explain what he was doing, why he was doing it, so Lisa wouldn't think he was a geek or nerd or worse. He reached over to the corner of the table and grabbed a salt shaker. He took out the cap and poured the salt in a neat pile in the middle of the table. Lisa watched him carefully, confusion in her expression. Sam, Lisa said, trying to penetrate Sam's concentration. He finally finished and looked up at Lisa again. Okay, ready? She shrugged. She shrugged. Let's pretend this is the Milky Way, our galaxy. Lisa blocked out all in restaurant noise and distraction. To her, this started to sound interesting. Again, Sam sensed the interest. He was somewhat astonished, but felt for the first time that there was a soulmate sitting in front of him, someone who might be truly interested in his driving passion. Sam continued, Let's further pretend that each of these grains of salt is a star or sun in the Milky Way, he continued. Let's say there are 400 billion grains of stars down here, and some of them may have planets like ours, rotating around an estimated 10,000 or so suns. Planets or planetary disk material, depending upon the age of the sun or the solar system. And for argument's sake, let's further say that some of those planets may have intelligent, advanced civilizations living on them. Sam took a deep breath. Now, a guy named Frank Drake, a scientist who's been in the field of astronomy, trying to find these planets with intelligent advanced civilizations, and he's come up with an equation to determine and make an educated and estimated guess on how many exist. Using abbreviated version of that equation, let's just say, that of those 400 billion stars with planets that contain advanced civilizations, civilizations with people like us, Lisa asked, or similar. He spoke more quietly and with more intensity. Lisa, the point is that there may be 100 billion salt shakers or galaxies like this. That's 10 billion trillion stars in all. The odds are tremendous that planets around a small percentage of those stars may send out a radio or TV signal like we do. The electromagnetic spectrum that includes light and sound and radio frequencies 
is common throughout the universe. Sam took a deep breath and leaned forward, his elbows and arms now in the salt. Lisa, I want to be the first human ever to receive a signal from one of those radio or TV broadcasts from a race of beings, intelligent beings, outside of our solar system, beyond Jupiter and Saturn and Neptune. Sam, don't you think maybe the government, space people, are doing the same thing? Lisa asked suspiciously. Sam sat up again. He had considered that question many times, and he knew the answer. They have multi-million channel receivers and huge dishes and large budgets, but they aren't concentrating on the frequencies I am. They don't have the special circuitry I've designed just for this purpose. He paused for a minute. You think I'm nuts? No, I think you're cute. He laughed and froze. His beeper began to beep wildly, and the rapid emergency signal repeating over and over. Sam lifted it from his belt buckle and looked at it before recycling the switch. Lisa was surprised. What's that all about? I have a beep alarm system tied into my SETI equipment. Let's go now. The stars are calling us. Sam's fingers rested on the keyboard of his computer. He tapped a command into the central processing unit, and the graph structure of the monitor changed. The volume was on his main SETI receiver, tuned up high. Tape recorders turned, and disk drive systems made noise quietly and intermittently as data was downloaded and saved. The room lights were now turned off. Sam sat in the glow of green, yellow, and red light-emitting diodes. On the monitor, a message repeated and scrolled again and again. Message to follow. Extraterrestrial origin. Lisa moved close to Sam and put her arm around his shoulders as she stared at the screen. What's happening? she asked. Sam turned looked into Lisa's eyes. His face was no more than six inches away. Something wonderful. Sam closed his eyes, moved slowly to her lips, and they kissed gently, then pulled away slowly. I agree. This time, Lisa leaned toward Sam. They kissed again. The computer alarm beeped, and Sam turned his attention towards his equipment again. He tapped in more commands. The original graph with the straight line baseline continued to be retraced. This time, however, with a sharp spike, and the message remained the same. Message to follow. Message to follow. Message to follow. They're sending the same message over and over, repeating it constantly, Sam said. Who are they? Good question. Where are they? Sam reached up to a nearby bookshelf and pulled down a large star chart book in which he used a pair of his undershorts as a marker. He threw the undershorts down and turned red with embarrassment. Sorry about that, he said sheepishly. He then looked down at the British Astronomical Association star chart, Epoch 1950.0, near the red giant star Betelgeuse, near the prominent constellation Orion. 
he pointed to another constellation, marked Cetus, somewhere in here. At least that's where my Alpha satellite dish is pointed. Suddenly, the louder, much clearer, raspy white noise, even louder, in a warbling tone, filled the room. The original message now scrolled off the screen from its position under the graph. Here we go, Sam said. Lisa was wide-eyed and flushed with excitement. My God, I don't believe this. Is this another civilization? Talking to Earth? My God, oh my God, I can't stand it, she said. Letters began to form along the bottom third of the screen. Okay, let's go. The tone fluctuated in a pitch as the message began. Hello, continuation. Source in Cetus constellation. From planet orbiting star designate as Tau Ceti. Right ascension. One hour, 44 minutes, four seconds. Declination at minus 15 degrees, 56 minutes, 15 seconds. As viewed from the planetesimal designate Earth, our SIG directed to planetesimal Earth, orbiting star planetesimal as Sun. Lisa turned to Sam. I don't understand, Sam. What does all that mean? Sam picked up the star chart and looked closely at the constellation Cetus again. He moved his finger along the white chart, covered with minute black dots, precisely placed and identified until he found the star Tau Ceti. It means this message is being transmitted, or should I say was transmitted, from a civilization on a planet circling Tau Ceti, their star, like our sun, 11.8 light years from planet Earth. Sam looked at the screen again. I'm familiar with this star, Lisa. It was considered a good candidate 28 years ago. The warbling sound stopped for a few moments, and the message held. Sam looked at his disk drive, which instantaneously began saving the data from the incoming message on the screen. He looked up at his recorder. The VU meters bounced across their scales as the audio from the transmission was faithfully being recorded. Thank the Lord, all of this is saving onto disc and tape, Sam thought, heaving a sigh of relief. The warbling tone began again. What's this? Are we repeating again? Or is this a new stuff? Or is this new stuff? Sam said rhetorically. New information began to flow in the screen. Designate as cipher code K6ZDQ. The blood drained from Sam's face. Lisa looked at Sam, then up at a large plaque containing call letters and his FCC amateur radio license. It read K6ZDQ. Sam? Sam held up his hand. He bit his lip. The message continued. Name designate Sam. Sam gasped. He began to shiver. My God, my God, what is this? How? From his SIG attained at Tau Ceti, monitor, relay, slave. Signal received at our terminus repeater.
message received as follows. Sam's and Lisa's attention jumped from the computer screen to the receiver screen. They heard a crash of static, then background noise that is always there between signals or when signals are transmitted. Hash and noise. Then garbled and filtered and weak, as if being received from a station very distant. Sam heard human voices muffled, then suddenly, in the clear. So back to you in New Zealand, Mac, again. The name here is Sam. I'm six years old, and I live in Pasadena, California. ZL1, WK, this is K6ZDQ. Sam violently rolled his chair away from his equipment and jumped up and flung the chair aside. Lisa was scared, but not terrified. Sam, what was that? That little boy. Was that you, Sam? Sam stared at the monitor again. He was ashen, shaken and shaking. His eyes were large, his voice was weak. Lisa, my God, I sent that transmission in the 1970s. They know who I am. Maybe they know where I live. What do they want with me? I don't understand, Sam. What the hell is going on? Sam whispered.